All right. Back in the Dunny. We back. Dunny Cody. Dunny Cody. In the banyo producing a pod pod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here we are. <laughs> Dunny Chinchilla. Dunny Chinchilla. Yeah. Nice. Part two. Toxic masculinity. Yeah, the mask you wear. Oh, man. So, um, shout out the mask you wear. That's a documentary, I think 2016 documentary. Great documentary. I'd recommend it. Um, and just while we're on that, there's tons of references that we're going to include in the description to this episode and also throw on our social medias for so check for those. Um, so we were talking about how masculinity contemporaneously had come to really highlight certain characteristics and those characteristics can be described as toxic. Um, so toxic masculinity, those characteristics, I think just as a refresher, it'd be important to, um, review those so that includes like being socially dominant being misogynistic or homophobic being sexually potent um sexually dominant um, being aggressive just overall aggressive in your presentation and then being stoic or emotionally repressed or suppressed which is viewed as like independence yeah yeah okay so yeah, yeah. Good, good summary. That's yeah. kind of what uh, toxic masculinity looks like. Yeah. yeah. So, and the idea is that that's what allows for perpetuated power hierarchies to exist. But we concluded by trying to emphasize uh, it doesn't seem to be working. It's not working out for us, <laughs> yeah. anybody. Yeah. 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 So it doesn't work out for society generally. Yeah. And in order to change it, we need to address men. And hopefully men can understand that it's not working for them. Yeah. It's kind of a problem created by men. Yeah. Uh, being a man it's, it's a complicated thing so today we're going to jump in with some examples we mentioned the melodic tones of the idols yeah specifically joe talbot uh, a bit of a mouthpiece for the idols the band and um, i think um, share the viewpoints but joe really addresses specifically the influence of toxic masculinity so we're going to use him as an example for that mm-hmm. um you know, I was thinking about this, though. I was thinking, if we talk about Joe, you know, maybe we could actually start by narrowing the focus to Dr. Chinchilla. <laughs> to Chinchilla Nice? Yeah. Your fourth favorite nerd? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Chinchilla, have you ever, like, do you have any memories of, like, either learning these traits um, or experiences growing up that seem to um, be influenced by these traits? Yeah, do you have any memories of this being a, a, a variable that was playing out in your life experience? Oh, no doubt, which I'm sure you do, which I'm sure if yeah. anyone who's a man reflects back on, especially what it was yeah, like yeah. in high school and yeah. through adolescence, that, yeah, there's a massive pressure that's put on adolescent boys to be a certain way. Well, so I'm still emotionally repressed, so... Yeah. No, like I never, no pressure. I've actually. <laughs> no reflection. I always felt comfortable. <laughs> we'll <call that> <laughs> yeah. yeah no so doubt. it hasn't happened for me. Has it happened for you? Yeah, I don't believe you, but yeah, it has <laughs> happened for me as well. Um, so I grew up kind of straight edge. I wasn't like as far into the culture. I know when we talk about our lives and that sort of thing, like the culture of the straight edge thing was very relevant to you. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> all the knowledge and the really defining it was important to me yeah i just kind of grew up straight edge i loved my skateboard like that was my thing yeah um yeah so uh just growing up going through high school i remember in middle school like some of the most uh maybe pressing 
or the greatest sources of pressure were from people, other guys at school. And they were regarding, for me, it was particularly the topic of both sex and or drugs. And huh. so it was like, you like, what's the matter with you? You're not going to smoke weed yeah. or eat peyote or like, um, what's the matter with you? You haven't slept with anyone yet and you're 14 years old, that kind of thing. At 14? Oh, 14 for sure. Like I remember vividly my freshman year of high school getting crap because I had never um, had any type of sexual experience with a girl yet. Oh my gosh. At the age of 14. Wow. Absolutely. So like that pressure existed and it existed for me throughout my high school development as well. Yeah. So like I played soccer. And I skateboarded. Those were my things again. And in all of those different settings, like I can remember pretty vividly, like traveling on the bus to games out of town and people like giving me crap and that sort of thing. Because you weren't like um, using substances or because you hadn't both had sexual experiences. Yeah. 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 And again, 14, 15, 16 years old. Man. But a baby. Yeah. 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 And so uh, in all of that, there's this idea that that something's wrong or different for you're not living up to these ideals and something's wrong with you because yeah. of that. And something's wrong with me. And the statistics would probably show otherwise, right? Like yeah. I'm actually in the quantitatively majority group there. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, those are kind of the things that I remember the most, just like getting teased, getting made fun of, particularly in those two things yeah. for, um, not using drugs yeah. not having any sexual experiences, which again started at like 14 years old. Oh man. Yeah. So a lot of pressure. Put on you. Chinchilla yeah. pulled through. Chinchilla pulled through, man. Yeah. Here we are today. Yeah. Did you have any more um, like experiences where masculinity played a role in how you approached um, like your peers, like girls or anything like that? Oh, yeah. So let's go back to April 1st, 1997. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> we got like a specific date. I got the date, man. Uh, sometime probably early afternoon, Mount Eldon Middle School. Okay, um, so you mentioned April 1st, so it makes me think, oh, the fact you mem- remember the date and the fact that April 1st is also April Fool's Day. Yeah, I've done some amazing things on April Fool's Day <laughs> in my life, and I've done some really jackass things. <laughs> this falls in the jackass category. Um, but you mentioned one of those uh, traits of toxic masculinity is like kind of that social dominance yeah. or and or sexual potency. Yeah. And so what that does is that creates a power dynamic or an imbalance between men and women, between yeah, boys yeah. and girls, right? So uh, I remember this so well being 14 years old. <laughs> um, but Oh, man. Yeah, this is good. You, I can see it. Dude, buckle up, it, man. Yeah. So I used to take the bus to school every day. Yeah. And our bus driver's daughter had a crush on me. Yeah. And so, and I knew that she liked me. Yeah. And so on April Fool's in an order to, in an effort to impress my friends, yeah. I asked her out to be my girlfriend uh, and I could just see like, she's so happy. Yeah. And then I told oh, no. her April don't, Fool's don't do it. Don't do it. and I ran off with my oh, friends. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I did that. So I thought that was all good and funny. Yeah. Made my friends laugh. Um, I get on the bus that day her mom's my bus driver oh yeah her mom was my bus driver so i get on the bus that day i don't i have like this really good ability of not thinking things through all the time <laughs> so, so so you did this at at the like start of the school day yeah you pulled that move early afternoon so early i think afternoon. i get on the bus like two hours later okay 
Yeah. So her, <laughs> her mom knows I get on the bus and I just feel her hand on my arm, just grab yeah. my arm. And coincidentally, the seat behind her was empty that day. <laughs> so I got pulled into that seat by her mom, just like grab my arm, directed me right yeah, in that personal seat. invitation to the front row. Yeah, it was a directive. And she's and I remember this so well. And she goes, you're sitting here today. <laughs> and so the whole bus ride home, I got a lesson in why I'm a jackass at that particular moment. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, that was a terrible ter- i mean i reflect on that with so much guilt yeah, you know what i mean yeah, and, yeah. and again i'm like an adolescent impulsive trying to yeah. impress my friends i was being stupid but i can definitely now i can look back on that and be like ah, oh, there are these social influences or these societal influences that yeah. really created this context for me to think that that behavior was okay yeah that I would think that it would be okay to ask out a girl who I knew liked me, who I knew was going to say yes. Yeah. And I knew that I was going to like kind of crush her dreams in that sense or shut her down in, in an effort to impress my friends. Yeah. That's a much more nuanced story of toxic masculinity. Oh, that's like, that's exactly the way I was just thinking. I, was, I actually like what you shared there. Cause the first I think is like, uh, when we talk about toxic masculinity, there can be these overt examples, like this pressure about you're supposed to be these certain ways and direct statements that relate to that. Um, yeah. But I think it plays out in so much more subtle ways. Um, yeah. Well, well thank, thanks, Dr. Chinchilla. Hey, whatever didn't, I can do to entertain you and shed some light yeah. on the effect of toxic masculinity yeah. on my own life. Oof, didn't yeah. anticipate you digging deep. April 1st, 1997, a day to be remembered. Front row seat on the bus. Yeah, 23 years ago. Yeah. Two months. Still, yeah. still he's that guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I reflect on that. I'm like, wow, that was really dumb. Yeah. But also what a great learning experience. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think what a great nuanced example, what a great broader example of the overt um, way that this plays out, these pressure to portray these traits. Um, Joe Talbot, so the lead singer of the Idols, like we've mentioned, there's actually a song on joy an act of re- as an act of resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, their latest album, they have a song called Samaritans. And it talks about exactly this thing, all this pressure to live up to these certain ideals. And he himself, I think, had life experiences that taught him lessons similar to that. So he grew up in Bristol, England. He talks about growing up in kind of this punk culture um, and just wanting to, like, you know, rage against everything, fight everything Mm -hmm. and just act like he didn't care about anything. But coincidentally, while that was all going on, um, he he actually describes. I think in one interview he describes like punk culture as machismo. Um, so like all these male-oriented traits. But while this is all going on, his mother uh, experienced a paralyzing stroke. I think it happened when he was like a young child. Mm. So he experienced this paralyzing stroke of his mom, and he really cared about her. And he kind of drifted off into that punk culture as he grew up. And then eventually, in his teenage years, his stepfather passed away. And he became the primary caregiver for his mom. And then five years after becoming her primary caregiver, he, she passed away. And so he developed this relationship with her of caregiving. And then this, this figure that became this paramount... Um, person in his life and was a paramount person in his life died and he talks about dealing with that through just drinking and distancing himself from the emotions of it all 
Um, and then that also happened at a point in life where for him, he's trying to be successful. He's trying to go to college, trying to um, realize that the pressure to be an adult and to be a successful male adult is on him. And so he talks about using drinking to get rid of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in that first episode, we had talks, uh, we highlighted some of those statistics related to substance use and men. And to me, Joe Talbot talks pretty directly about the role of alcohol in his life. Yeah. Direct avoidance behavior, just a, like a behavior geared toward experiencing relief mm-hmm. from the pain. Mm-hmm. And something that I would probably highlight from that is that when we have a culture or society that says you can't feel, well, what we do is we feel. And so when we repress that or when we do feel, then, then we conclude something is wrong with us, mm-hmm. that this might not even be that conscious of a decision. And so what do we do to get rid of those feelings? Mm-hmm. And alcohol can be such an easy, easy, quick fix. Yeah. So he fell into that. He and, fell into and that. And then there was even an exacerbated moment for him that he talks about where two years after his mother's passing, um, a daughter that uh, oh, his gosh. partner had been carrying for nine months was born, stillborn. Yeah. Um, and so going through that stillborn, yeah. And yeah. in, in the song June, yeah. um, joy is an act of resistance. It's about her. Yeah. Yeah. About that experience. So he, he talks about this coming a point, coming, um, coming around period in his life where he, he entered therapy, he pursued mindfulness and then Ooh. he specifically, uh, shout out CBT and mindfulness. Um, actually he says it's not CBT focused. He said it was mindfulness focused yeah. and it sounds like, um, probably like emotionally based, maybe like REBT yeah. or maybe ACT. Uh, all these letters for you. <laughs> alphabet soup for y'all a lot of acronyms we'll cover these in the future yeah yeah so um he basically came to and now he specifically addresses some of the pressure that comes just from toxic masculinity so he talks about a wide range of topics but also focuses on that specifically and kind of how he's tapped into how it doesn't work um, and so for, maybe for us to talk more about this, we can reference specific authors. Um, yeah. So we've been using the term toxic masculinity probably a decade ago. There were some authors, mostly in sociology, that shifted the term to precarious masculinity. Mm. And that's because toxic masculinity can have this connotation that emphasizes all the ways that men benefit and, and creates this power structure and how it's toxic, usually in reference to how it's toxic for society. And the term precarious masculinity was used to demonstrate how it is a very tricky uh, dynamic for men to maneuver through and come out successfully from. Yeah. The, well, the very tenets of the system say that you got to adhere. If you don't, then what? Then you're a failure. You're a failure. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't successfully portray that, then you're a failure. So even if you do pursue it, so you either tried to fight against it and you're perceived as a failure or you, or if you pursue it and aren't successful then you're a failure yeah um so there are a couple of people that i think address this really well two authors in particular one being peggy ornstein mm-hmm. and and the other judy chu yeah uh, just really brilliant people um and peggy's a journalist but she wrote a book called boys and sex and she talks about how there's this disparity between what boys define as masculinity and what their own personal experience is like privately. 
So she actually interviews, I think, hundreds of boys to do these books. She wrote a book called Girls and Sex as well. Yeah. And she would have them say, what is being masculine supposed to look like? And she, and then she would ask them, and not back to back, but she'd ask them, you know, what are you like? And pretty consistently, and she would interview adolescent males, um, pretty consistently they would define those characteristics that we noted earlier as what is desirable. <laughs> And then they would talk about all the ways that they were different privately. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Any insight into the sources or influence of like, this is how I should be? Yeah. I mean, just societally. Interestingly, like both her and Judy Chu, and I think they address this in the mask you live in. The mask you wear. The mask you wear. I yeah. think it's the mask you wear. Um, <laughs> the mask you the wear. The documentary. Yeah. Um, I think they reference this as well. But um, basically, there are these societal pressures. And feminism, well, there's a lot to be done to continue to promote feminism. It actually provided an avenue since about the 70s for women to say, oh, there's all these societal expectations that come about focused on appearance. And for teenage girls, there can be a real disparity between how they perceive themselves and what they're supposed to mostly look like or act like, act like in particular in relation to boys. Um, and they can feel a lot of maybe shame or guilt or dysphoria because of that. Mm. But a lot of that has been named for a while. Yeah. And both of these author, authors, and in that video they reference, that hasn't really been addressed for men. But in fact, there is a disparity between what they perceive they're supposed to be as yeah. boys and what they're not. And so the influence, when you say what are the influences, I mean, it'd be hard to pinpoint because it'd be so pervasive. Yeah. The way that messages for girls is so pervasive. Yeah. I was thinking one, I think I listened to a podcast with Peggy where she was talking about the effect of pornography on boys yeah. um, and how they think they should be when it comes to sex yeah. or what sex should be like. So if they hadn't had a sexual experience, they would perceive it to be a certain thing. Yeah. And given the how accessible pornography is now. Yeah. She was saying that that is becoming even more pervasive, more pervasive, or more prevalent with young boys. Yeah, and to define how they're supposed to be, how they're supposed to be. Yeah, she actually uses the example of one boy who said, like, um, when he began intercourse, he would look at a, at the clock, and he had the idea that it had to be X amount of time to pass, yeah. and that he would do everything he could to not make the experience pleasant as a means because he believed the way to be most fulfilling as a partner was to achieve that yeah was and, to like last longer yeah yeah and yeah and so with that i mean that's a direct effect of toxic masculinity yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so his experience is disconnected his sexual partner probably doesn't feel great in that moment because <laughs> right. his he's not connected to what's going on right yeah. Yeah. He's over here trying to achieve something that's not even related to what they're doing. In yeah. Sense, uh. So, so, you know, an author, um, she, she teaches at Stanford, Judy Chu, um, and graduated from Harvard with her graduate degree from Harvard. Um, she addresses when, um, when boys become boys, she talks about this disparity occurring. So a moment ago, I kind of compared it to girls growing up and, she describes that that disparity between what they perceive they're supposed to be in appearance and in relationships with boys and others 
um, usually begins around 11-ish and really becomes honed in around 16 or 17 and can really lead to dysphoria, she discovered that this begins around the age of five or six for boys. Whoa. Yeah, and by 11 has been solidified. Whoa. Yeah. That's kind of mind-boggling. So it happens a lot earlier. And in fact, she references research that demonstrates that um, male babies and infants and toddlers actually seem to communicate emotion more than female babies, infants, and toddlers. Infants, babies, and toddlers, yeah. Um, So she talks about how we have the idea that that's just maleness mm-hmm. but she the early research of early early childhood actually shows boys as using more emotional language as actually verbalizing more um and being more vulnerable and by five six seven ish that is all going the opposite direction yeah wow and again as a result of socialization right yeah 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 so just the common messages, there's evidence that we have in research for, and I think a lot of people would probably know this, but differences in the way that we speak to um, uh, girls and boys. So like we talk to a, a female toddler differently than when we talk to a male toddler. Um, yeah. You know, we tell, yeah. we, we'll tell the male toddler like, uh, you know, don't cry or yeah. toughen up Be or a big boy. you're, or just something simple and nuanced. Like you're tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. That creates this expectation that you're supposed to be tough. Um, yeah. And all of that's happening for women and girls too. Like, I don't want to take away from, there are all these societal pressures, but these pressures are contributing to toxic masculinity that has such a pervasively negative effect on everyone. Yeah. Um, it'd be really helpful to understand them and to rectify them. Hmm. Yeah. So the results of all this essentially is that there are these perpetuated hierarchies in society, right? That, um, men carry that majority power that we talked about in that first episode. Yeah. Man, um, I like the way that we had this outlined here and just a sense of like what it does is it creates men who are emotionally impotent and socially dominant. Yeah. Like yeah. That, that is a strong statement. And in power. And yeah, in power. The, so in socially dominant, meaning like not just in the context of the room they're sitting in, but like, yeah, making a lot of policy decisions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The cycle becomes, uh, yeah, like it just continues to grow and it continues to spin. And what we mentioned in that first episode, again, is these perpetuated hierarchies, these characteristics, what they do is they promote workplace and social inequality, sexual aggression. And then the system, when it's set up a certain way is also set up to maintain that inequality. Yeah. Like it's almost like the accountability measures in place are set there so that people in power get to remain there. They don't have to face the effects of their own behavior in a sense. Yeah. Whew. So then, knowing all of that, what do we do? What do we do to make it so that a little chinchilla doesn't, chinchilla, doesn't chinchilla a, yeah, chinchilla ito, chinchilito, chinchilito, yeah, um, doesn't end up on April Fool's Day unintentionally getting that front seat on the bus. Well, he has a genetic loading that would suggest <laughs> he's predisposed to doing that his dis- behavior. His, so we, his judgment and decision-making yeah. is already genetically we'll predisposed. Just, we'll just begin to shape Chinchilla Ito in, an, in a new direction with the hope that Chinchilla, Chinchilla Ito Ito will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're yeah. right about that, right? Like, 
what a great statement like societally we need to make changes and keep working towards changes they aren't just specific moments in time and that can work on an individual level and then it can work on a societal level yeah like really what we're going to be talking about are things that need to just continue yeah yeah and i think you know i'd seen this tweet that had come out with um you know everything in the context right now of black lives matter and racial yeah, inequality that yeah. someone had said this <clears throat> white supremacy is a white problem and needs to be be fought against or broken down by white yeah. people it's not yeah. a black problem that white people need to support black people and yeah. and i think the same rings true here is that this is a problem created by men that needs to be taken down by men yeah so it's not a problem created by women that men need to support women yeah. like we need to recognize our own privilege and our own power and we need to unhook from it we yeah. need to we need to like give it up yeah so specifically we need to apologize when we fall into mansplaining yeah yeah so you need to call me out on that (laughs) same same yeah so one there's demonstrations there's protests we need to actively um put pressure on power is one thing that comes to my mind and when when we're talking big systems right the apa when was that the mothership the yeah (laughs) it was uh august of 2018 august of 2018 i remember when they put out these practical guidelines for working with boys um and men in the response like i remember seeing on twitter people being like hey if you if you ascribe to or if you see a therapist who promotes these guidelines you stop seeing them now yeah like it was wild to see the backlash to apa putting out hey, here's how we can help boys and men in our society. Yeah. Like what we're doing right now is we're shaping people to represent yeah. these top, these characteristics that are creating problems and harm for others and for self. Yeah. And we haven't gotten into this, but toxic masculinity in the environment. That might be down the road. <laughs> Boy, that would, that would be a good tangent. Um, the APA guidelines, I think it's important to note that guidelines have come out. And basically what we mean by guidelines is that APA creates um, basically like a literature review of the demographic group that they're addressing and then here are suggestions based on what we understand about experiences of this demographic Um, and so there had been guidelines promoted for um, various other variables like racial or ethnic minorities Mm. uh, women and all of those had been um, established for a long time for decades and nothing had ever been done for men because men most often hold the power hold the voice hold the influence but really by 2018 they came to say well the effect that this is creating isn't helpful for men Um, and there are some specific things that we need to address as suggestions for therapy in working with men because of the pressure this all creates that disconnect that leads to those drastically higher rates of substance abuse and dependence and homicide and suicide yeah and risk-taking behaviors yeah yeah exactly so the APA they gave us a few things that we can understand we'll start there and then also a few things that we can promote uh, what's one of those things that we need to understand yeah i think firstly one of the things they highlight is that we need to understand that boys and men they they have to integrate these multiple aspects of their identity like what it means to be a man for them throughout the course of their lifetime so to understand that that identity evolves and that includes so many variables other than those ones that are highlighted in toxic masculinity Mm, yeah wow what a limited rigid like the thing that you're saying yeah yeah so so we've got to respect that 
um, their identity of themselves as a man is going to be more open and fluid than just those rigid ideals and that it's going to change for them throughout time. Yeah. Okay. okay. And then, uh, yeah, what, what's the other principle there about understanding? Yeah, one thing that they give us that seems so important to me is just understanding that the impact of power, of privilege, and of sexism on the development of boys, that those are all socially informed not mm-hmm. biologically informed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when we talk things that are social realities, like we shape and construct those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what we can do then, we, again, we can just start there with understanding. That gives us some ideas how we can respond. And what we need to do is provide information to guide healthy use of what their sex is influenced for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, so those are two things we need to understand, both about their development and about their experience with power, privilege, and sexism. And then there are some things that we need to promote that encourages us to promote that I think can be promoted so, um, societally. Yeah. Um, one is to promote interpersonal intimacy. <laughs> yeah. So what we can huh. do, how did I land on this one? What we could do is um, <laughs> encourage boys and men to like have open, caring relationships mm. um, with their friends and to be um, expressive about what that friendship means yeah and i mean that directly ties to the next one right which is to promote positive male relationships i think something that i witness and something i see is it's really difficult for men to connect with other men yeah and again in the in in different contexts if you have to be a certain way then it's kind of like you have to talk about these things you have to act a certain way which deviates us from our connection to ourself yeah if we can be authentic and open with ourselves, we can be authentic and open with other people and understand that's a good thing yeah um i love you cody love you <laughs> but it's a little i'd refrain from saying bro or dude <laughs> bro. or man <laughs> um and then lastly to promote health related behaviors and this is so important we didn't really touch on this but in addition to like substances and um, homicide rates and crime uh, there are all these ways that men are higher, uh, experience higher rates of heart disease and biological issues, much more medical disorders without being treated. So we need to promote basically just taking care of yourself, um, that it's okay to seek and accept help, both when it comes to like needs for if if you're experiencing something in your body or if you're experiencing something emotionally or mentally to to seek out and accept help in those areas. Yeah, and again, directly related to that influence of autonomy or independence. And and so like we have to uh, directly, I think in our field, get in after that stigma. Mm-hmm. Like the, the healthy good thing for us to do is to seek help, is mm-hmm. to connect, is to develop our own awareness. Yeah. That's a good thing to do. And so we've circled back to, I think when we read those statistics about the effects on gender and women in particular and the negative influence that masculinity has on that, toxic masculinity has on that, it's cringy. And here we are trying to promote these things that seem tapped into sympathy and empathy. And the purpose for that would be to hopefully affect change um, in terms of relationships with minority groups. Yeah. Minority yeah. groups, meaning like the group that doesn't have power. Less power. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like men, 
let go of your power. Yeah. You're going to be okay. And paradoxically, that will lead to feeling likely more connected to yourself and healthier, which will result in healthier relationships. And it's not that you're losing power. You're you're elevating others. You're allowing others to be there with you. Yeah, maybe it's not zero sum. Yeah. Now, admittedly, as we close out, um, I'm terrible at some of these things (laughs) that we just listed. Interpersonal intimacy. Yeah, I feel a (laughs) bit hypocritical with some of this, but... I'm taking it, I'm taking my stripes, stuff for me to work on. No doubt. Well, that's going to conclude our two episode series on toxic masculinity. Uh, We would love to hear from you. So hit us up on the socials and everything. Yeah. And then why don't you take us out by shouting us out? No doubt. So you can always hit us up on our website, www.beyondflag.com, flag spelled. FLG. And then also we're making that concerted Instagram, Twitter push. So uh, hit us up if you're doing something that promoting connection to self connection to others connection to the environment please use those hashtags and then uh, you can check us out again beyond underscore flag yeah take care love you